Hey, Insiders, I'm Emma Capotis. And I'm Michael Julian. Welcome to Festival Insider Podcast, a podcast for insiders by insiders. Today we have a very, well, two very special guests, the co-founders of Elements Music Festival, um, Timothy Monkowitz and Brett Herman, which we are really, really excited to talk to them about how they have been successfully throwing small scale events over this past year and having um, everybody's health and safety a first priority with their COVID testing system. MJ, do you want to talk a little bit about um, a little bit about them? Yeah. So these guys are amazing. You'll see when they come, how authentic they come off. And that's because they are authentic, real promoters. Uh, they have a long journey. I don't know how much they'll be able to tell us, but you know, they started out a long time ago, did a lot of warehouse parties kind of that grew into this festival called elements. But like when you meet them and you speak to them, you see that this all comes from heart, which is for me, the most important thing. And this is why, I think they have a, uh, a great opportunity to be very successful is because they know the audience they're building this festival for, and you know they're very much focused on camping. One of the reasons why we brought them today partially was obviously to hear their story so that our listeners can understand how, how much efforts it takes to get to where they are and so that the industry folks can get to meet uh, Tim and Brad. But another reason is because they kind of pioneered this uh, safety process that they were able to use right in the middle of pandemic this year and produce multiple shows. I think though they did like a mini festival for two, 300 people. And I think they did another weekend where they did two, three shows together. And they had a very interesting approach where they were able to do it safely. I believe they tested people before, right before the event and mm -hmm. some days before the event. They'll, they'll tell us more. I, I don't know the details, but we were truly fascinating and honestly grateful that somebody was doing it. Clearly, they couldn't make any money uh, because that was very expensive, but they did it to entertain people. And that, to me, makes them the type of promoters that the world needs more of, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, let's let's see, let's go meet them. I bet Brett is going to be wearing some really, really <laughs> kinky uh, clothes like he always does. And, and you know, let's meet the guys. Let's yes, I'm super excited. Uh, please join us in welcoming Tim and Brett to the podcast. All right. Well, we just wanted to welcome you guys to the podcast. Um, what we're basically trying to do is sort of merge you know, fans of music festivals with people who produce music festivals, essentially, and other industry professionals and sort of like bridge the gap between that. Um, so we're really excited to welcome you to the podcast, Tim and Brett. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And so, I mean, to start off, I just wanted to ask a simple question of how are you and how have you been do doing during these like insane times? <laughs> Yeah, you know, live events company in a pandemic, uh, you know, as good as can be expected. Um, but, uh, you know, we've been doing this, I think, coming up on 12 years uh, in, in different formats and fashions. So, um, you know, after taking so many like punches and ups, you know, so many ups and downs throughout the years, I felt kind of, we felt kind of prepared for this in a weird, um, <laughs> mm. weird, numb way. But, uh, you know, we're, we're getting through and, um, and now that you know, it feels like with the vaccine uh, rollouts, we're we're kind of coming out on the on the other side of this finally, and you know we're starting to see restrictions being lifted. So um, uh, it's it's been tough, but uh, you know, use a lot of the time to kind of uh, uh, 
work on, you know, work on the company, work on, you know, ourselves and like just work on getting tasks finished that you, that you put off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was going to ask, did you pick up anything new during quarantine? Any new hobbies or skills? <laughs> um, I could do handstands now. Yeah. Oh, we learned okay. how to test people for COVID. I, I can tell you. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> we never could have imagined, you know, most people think like, oh, you know, I'll learn piano or, you know, some kind of dance. And, uh, you know, we learned everything, not everything, but we learned extensive knowledge about COVID testing. But um, I would just add that, you know, uh, beyond what Brett said, that uh, I think another thing we've been trying to do with this whole, it's coming up on a year now, is just you know, as, as pillars and kind of leaders in the event industry and, you know, a lot of our fans see us, we, we've just been trying to be as positive as possible and, you know, trying to spread that around because it's, it's been tough on us and everybody else. But, you know, we try and just keep a smile and say nice things and, you know, try to help lift people's spirits any way we can. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah, we have we have a lot of questions on that today. <laughs> <laughs> and then to Brad's point, you know, makes sense because as promoters, you kind of always feel that, curveballs that just keep coming and you're always at that point where you have to be ready for anything but this was this was just too much for a lot and you know you guys seem to have found some innovative ways to keep going and prepare for what's coming up in the future and get through the difficult times so be kudos for that and that's where a lot of the questions today will, will come from cool thanks yeah, but before we dive into that, I kind of want to take it back a little bit because I, I would love for you guys to just share your story too about how you connected and just in general for anybody listening who isn't familiar with, with you guys. Could you give us the whole like 411, tell us a little bit about yourselves, you know, but, what uh, you do uh, and how you connect? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it was just founded really kind of more as a funding more than like, hey, we're going to start a giant festival. It was more just a natural thing of throwing parties you know our whole lives I've been, I've been throwing parties i think since like eighth grade since you know there'd be a snow day and i'd invite my friends over and play music and kind of raid my parents liquor cabinet and you know kind of never really stopped <laughs> to be honest they just got bigger um and, you know and i guess you know it was really new york um it was a while ago you know literally 2008 so it's been near over 12 years 13 years now coming up um kind of really started in a small chill way like on rooftops and really just loose and you know a couple hundred people and always providing something that was unique and special with an event rather than just putting music on there's always some spectacle you know like somebody flying overhead on a zip line or a live sex show or, or just something that was kind of like interesting and crazy and that people would leave with like oh my god I've never seen that at a party and that's kind of how the brand originally started, really as like a really underground, gritty kind of New York City, Brooklyn vibe, vibe event that kind of got popular really quick, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but, you know, that's, that's the roots of it. Uh, Brett, you want to add anything? Well, the, one of the key like uh, uh, driving factors sort of in the genesis was that each uh, event had to outdo the last. It had to, had, had to have some, you know, WTF factor that like, blows the last one out of the water and so um you know when we were doing these monthly uh it, you know it it was a lot and like that that early growth phase was, was super cool but um but yeah then then it just keeps leading you to think bigger every time too um and and that's kind of what eventually um you know uh, led to the desire to expand the canvas into multi-day festivals where you have 72 hours of people's attention rather than just, you know, a night. 
Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah, MJ, I mean, you've been involved in the New York scene for a really, really long time. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure you can <laughs> relate to throwing parties for New Yorkers versus uh, other cities. I feel like it's a very different uh, crowd and atmosphere from other places. When was the first Elements? The first so we actually started that as like a one day outdoor festival. Um, I, I would separate those elements camping started in, in 2017, but there, we did elements as a one day outdoor festival in 2013. That was in this really weird grain silo in Red Hook. It was abandoned grain silo that was a hundred feet tall. We had people repelling off it and people jumping on BMX bikes and all sorts of crazy, felt like a mix of Mad Max and Berlin. And, um, you know, it was a really cool, special, special experience, but very, very different than the three-day thing at this point. But similar, you know, similar vibes with four stages, four elemental stages. And was there a point where you guys had one in the city and, and camping at the same time, or it just went from non-camping into camping? Yeah, one, one year we did both of them. And uh, yeah, oh yeah, two years, I guess. Um, we had to move venues one year, which was tricky, but... Uh, but we really decided that we really do like the camping more because we love building large scale art and experiences. And really the overnight thing is, it's just so special because you get people, you know, maybe they're sleeping like three, four hours a night and then you have their attention for that other like 20 hours a day. And, you know, maybe they listen to some music for eight hours and you have another eight hours that they can have make friends or you can show them these weird craft making experiences. And it's just, for us, it's really the pinnacle of what we love to do. And so we've really uh, shifted our attention to that just because throwing a, a multi-day festival is just, it's a year round job. You know, we're booking DJs and talent before the, you know, a year and a half ahead of time, we're already talking with agents. It's really a long cycle for the whole thing. So that's our main focus at this point. How did you guys meet the two of you? Brett, uh, I think it was an open sake bar. Um, <laughs> in in uh, New York, there's a thing called My Open bar at the time um yeah and like in the beginning um you know it was just about throwing throwing a couple cool parties we had zero ambition other than to like have have a good time and hopefully not lose money um and um yeah i mean you know even to this day too i, I think uh we feel pretty lucky to be still you know you know working in in uh, working in a field that we're still extremely passionate about that that just keeps like the potential just keeps growing every day too so it's not like oh wow you, i'm bored with this it's like well um how do we improve everything you know or how, how, do, how do we like if you let yourself get bored or like um complacent and that's when that's when that's when the quality of your product starts to decline too mm -hmm. um so yeah just try to keep entertaining ourselves. I can't imagine getting bored too, because I've just watched like so many of the after movies in the past few weeks. And it just, what it's grown into is so amazing. And I, I absolutely love the theme and the different stages. And have you been at the same for the camping experience since 2017? Has it been the same location? Yep. In Lakewood. Okay. Yes. And what, what made you guys pick that location? Cause I know it, it's kind of like a summer camp, right? Yeah. It's just gorgeous. I think for us, you know, we've been to every festival in the country and around the court. We've been, we, you know, we were avid festival attenders and I DJ and I've played most of the festivals in the US too. And I've just, and I've seen the backstages of a lot of them. And I think we've got pretty picky <laughs> in wanting to do, especially being in New York, it's such a competitive thing. Like we always want to have the best, you know, we want to be the best and, you know, not only in the Northeast, but in the planet, you're kind of in that 
grindhouse or whatever. Mm -hmm. So picking a location, most a lot of festivals are in a big wide open field. And I think the biggest thing for us is like, we don't want to just do a field festival. That They're of course cool. You can bring in tons of art, but like we wanted mm -hmm. something with some natural beauty as well. So we picked a location that has a lake and, you know, forest and some like rolling hills. So it's really naturally beautiful. And of course we bring in a ton of art and cool stuff, but then we can also play off the beauty of the nature as well, which obviously with elements and it kind of goes with nature, mm -hmm. it all kind of fits together. And I, I think that was the biggest deciding choice, some, some natural beauty in the, in the venue. Gotcha. Yeah. No, Brad, do you have anything else on that? <laughs> sure. I completely agree. Um, yeah. I mean, there's so many factors, um, you know, like this was another thing where, you know, we sort of decided to move from a one day festival into a multi-day and, um, uh, boy, it was a crash course in logistics. Um, so, uh, there's a lot of things that we just didn't quite think of, um, because it was, you know, a time of expansion. Um, but, uh, I'm, you know, very happy with our choice and, um, and, and, uh, yeah, you know, and any site has its strengths and weaknesses. Um, but you just have to, make sure that the beauty and the strengths, you know, out, outweigh everything. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, this, this year is going to be one for the Asians too. So, um, it looks amazing. We were going to ask too, we're curious since you guys have done so many festivals, like any, do you have any favorite camping festivals that you've done? Uh, done that we've gone to. Yep. Um, I think of course, Brett, Brett's been Burning Man eight, 17 or 18 times. <laughs> yeah. This would have been my 17th year at Burning Man. Uh, so that wow. like consistent that's been a big part of my life um and i think also really i mean it's just obviously influenced like um the type of culture that i, I want to uh create and promote um the type of um uh, community mm -hmm. uh, the way people interact with each other and um and kind of the creative one-upsmanship i have to say too that's that's there's there's been no one tribe that's particularly um been able to take hold of burning man as well and i i, I feel like we we balance we tr balance that with elements pretty well too. I mean, New York is all about the diversity of, uh, of, of everybody. That's what makes New York nightlife great. We really try to bring that to the festival and to, to make sure that like uh, different communities, different people from all socio economic backgrounds are represented. And um, yeah, we strive to be more inclusive um, and to bring more more folks to the um, to the experience every time. And I think nothing more is really important that, than being sort of a part of the audience that you're building your product for, right? Because you know exactly who this is for, you know what they enjoy, and you know how to make their life more fun because you are one of them. I think that's a big part of the success when it comes to successful promoters is they, they, they're building it for people like them. And I think that matters a lot. Camping festivals fascinate me only because I personally haven't been to many, you know, and I always wonder uh, when people go to camping festival, is it the connection? Cause I mean, you meet an incredible amount of people, right? I assume people don't really go to sleep much. And so it's, you know, everyone's out and meeting and, you know, to you, what's the beauty of camping festival? Like if you had to pick camping versus non-camping, you'll pick camping. I already know, so I'm not going to ask. But <laughs> what's the thing that will draw you to camping over a regular festival or, and draws the fans to it? I'd say it's the people and the energy of people. And I would say that's what draws anybody to any show beyond camping. Like 
a, a dance party for 500 people. They go there because they like the energy of people. If you take a dance party and make it over a square mile and everybody's 50 feet apart, they're not going to go because energy of people is contagious. And there's nowhere it's better than at a camping festival. It's like one of these special things where everybody's in it together and it doesn't matter if it rains or your tent blows over or your friends, whatever, peeing and uh, whatever, some crazy stuff. Everybody's just so friendly. And it feels like a better version of Earth, like where people are nice to each other, where you're not like trying to claw past each other for a better job or whatever else. It's just this weird, unique thing where you wake up and you're dizzy or hungover or something, but you can still look at somebody and laugh and smile you've never met and you might know them for life. You know, it's a really crazy, awesome feeling that I think, you know, you can really only get if you're, if you're in that experience. Yeah, and I'd imagine there's a lot of sharing, you know, in the community. I remember yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the few that sure. I went to at night, people up and just going to tents and sharing the food and the liquor and then clothes and, you know, yeah, I can see that. Mm -hmm. I also hear too, I mean, from the fans perspective that I, always here it's just the convenience of it as well people are like I, I love nothing more than just waking up and being around everybody and then walking right into a festival rather than having to deal with transportation like you take all of that out of it and you're just here in one place all together for one weekend and you don't have to deal it, it feels more intimate I feel like in a way rather than kind of taking you out of the headspace you go back to a hotel you know then you sleep the night then you come back this is like a yeah. fully immersive thing that you're just a part of which is amazing Oh, yeah. Then, yeah, the, when, when you don't have to go back into the default world, um, you can really kind of transform. And, um, and I guess by, you know, you know, by having folks, you know, staying over, like it, it, it does kind of force you to commit more, more than just, you know, showing up to like a, you know, someplace close to your city. Mm -hmm. And and we want that. We want like our guests to be like fully committed and invested uh, to have the time of their lives. Mm -hmm. How does the camping experience evolve over time as well? Because I know you have, there's different levels of camping and then there, there's cabins and apartments as well. But how do you evolve that over time? Because now I feel like I look at some camping events and it's like, there's a wellness center and yoga and all of these experiences that seem to be a part of like what you can do activity wise too. Yeah, I like one thing I've seen people that I think is cool that evolves is people come with like four friends their first year, then the second year, it's like 15 friends, mm -hmm. you know, then they kind of set up this group camp. And it's a beautiful thing to watch, like on our Facebook family page, somebody will be like, hey, I'm coming up alone from North Carolina. You'll have eight people be like, hey, we have a group of 15 from Pittsburgh to Maine or whatever. If you want to camp with us, you know, and feel safe. That's cool. And it's really neat to see those groups of friends grow and, uh, and they're very multi-state, like multi-location. You know, it's not just like a bunch of people from Brooklyn. I mean, sometimes it is, but a lot of times it's not. And we've just seen so many friendships evolve over like multiple states and cities. It's a really cool thing. And I think that's how a lot of camping festivals evolve. It's kind of like groups and the group grows. And then you have your home, your home base. It's like your little home, little neighborhood with all your friends here and there. And maybe like some sort of little sports activity or like whatever, you know, a jam box or something where people are playing. I think that's mm -hmm. a really cool thing. Yeah, you just nailed that. I was going to say there definitely is more of a sense of a community with a camping festival because now that I think about it, people who go, go time and time, like year and year, it just becomes a staple event versus like a city festival. I feel like people will maybe hit once and then they're like, okay, I can check that off my list. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it definitely, definitely builds. I'm curious about the stages at Elements too, because I think the whole theme is amazing, but how did you guys evolve that over the last few years and just work the theme into everything? Because are there four stages, right? 
important? It ends up being a lot more. We, we okay. do that, that Burning Man vibe thing where we, we kind of have some like authorized renegade stages where a lot of groups like, we, we do what we call the road talents where we do all the shows leading up in like various states from PA to Maine, to Massachusetts. Not a lot of those partners that we do those shows with, they'll come and do a stage takeover or their own little stage, like in a corner for a hundred people. So there ends up being a lot of little dotted stages, which is, you know, a really special experience that people, they're not necessarily lifted or there's no hours, there's no, you know, but people just wander by and all of a sudden there's 50 people going nuts. And it's, that's kind of a, what a lot of people told us is a really special experience. Um, you know, the discovery aspect, but I guess in terms of the, the big main stages, the four elemental ones, I mean, one thing I have to say, it's slightly easy because we have a theme for each one already. <laughs> it's not easy, but it's like, it's great when you have some creative direction right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, it's water. It's like, okay, we should do something with some sort of aquatic thing. You know, it, it's, and, uh, and that's really fun. And I guess we're just really open. You know, we don't, we like to consider all of our art, you know, even our DJs really of like, it's not like one person saying this is what it is. It's really canvassing everybody and, and you know, taking submissions and, seen a lot of what a lot of different people have for ideas and you know if we like it we we select it we, we help trying to help them develop their skills build in a stage and that's one thing i would say we do more than other festivals like i see a lot of um other big festivals and they'll see like a big stage of burning man and they'll contact those people and be like build it we'll give you a ton of money and what we've done we we grow people who've never built a stage in a major festival if they have a really cool idea we're like all right yeah we'll help you and help you grow it so in that way, we've got a lot of more unique stages and um, art. Um, you know, some of them are hits, some of them are misses. You know, we're not getting, we're not taking something that's established. We're, we're developing it, which is a lot more difficult. But to me, it's also a lot more fun. And the people who have built the stages really enjoy it more because they're like, "Wow, I've never done anything this big or special." And that, you know, thanks for the, the opportunity. And what's the talent strategy for elements? You know, it's noticeable that there are different genres of music. Uh, yep. electronic music kind of mixed in how did it come about is it because you guys were the fans of all three or there was synergies or what what's the story behind how yeah. that developed i would say you know i defer to me and brett like we love everything i mean i think everybody says they love all kinds you know if you're like what's your favorite kind of music they're like i like everything but maybe they really don't you know they like drake and then they like punk rock or, I, you know everybody likes multiple different things they have like a craziness and then a pop side but I honestly think Brett and I would drive around playing, you know, Indian music to like, you know, weird punk pop from like the seventies. And we really, really do love everything. And I, I respect everybody's music taste and what they love. And that's, that's, that's kind of the basis of it, of like, you know, all these different kinds of genres, they can all look, coexist together. If um, you have some really cool art and experiences. And I think it's cool that a lot of people who might only like one genre, some will buy a stage with the different genre they would never listen to, but they see a bunch of people and the energy and they go in and they're like, oh my God, I love this music now. They discover a whole new genre and a whole new avenue of music they can search. And, uh, you know, I think that's the basis of it. Uh, Brett, you have any thoughts? You know, I know you're like funk and soul and like everything. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, my taste is uh, like, I guess kind of coming, uh, coming from like San Francisco, San Francisco area, it's very like, eclectic um like i tend to listen to like a lot of the radio and stuff so to me it's always finding that balance between um discovery uh some things where you're really introducing people to something special and like blowing their mind with with the balance of like um an expectation like at the end of the day too people are also buying tickets to see artists that um that they want to see and so um you know we like we like to select those uh, those artists that like 
have that balance of, um, you, you know, both uh, ingenuity and, and then also, um, uh, you know, like loyal fans that are, you know, that, that, that do have like, you know, a modicum, um, uh, you know, that, that aren't going to leave people completely in left field as well. Um, it's, it's interesting that you said tickets because, yeah, that's that's a very important piece of the puzzle, right? You, sure. you You're booking different music for all the reasons you've just explained, uh, but you also want to book the music that camping festival tickets want, because I have seen some festivals fail with an amazing vision and everything was right, except that the type of talent they've booked didn't really interest the campers. And, and as a result, those festivals no longer take place, even though they had a great team and really amazing idea. So makes sense that, you know, it, it, it's really for the campers, right? You got to book the, the music for the campers. And, you know, my experience at Elements when I went was that it was very nice to see that while a house artist was playing at one of the stages, when his set was finished, everyone kind of went to a different stage, even though house music continued and the other stage was bass. So it's not very common when you go to festivals where a mass, a large scale of people leave one subgenre of music and go to another. Usually people stay, they go for techno this, they stay for techno, they go for bass, they stay for bass. So it was really nice to see. It was very uh, easy to understand that this fan, this audience, the people that were there, they were fans of both music equally. And they kept going back and forth and that was very nice and unique. Cool. Oh yeah. I mean, you, you know, like uh, you don't eat the same food for dinner every day. Like, you know, you, you want like the, you want uh, a 10 course um, musical experience. At least I do. Uh, I agree. Wow. I, we agree. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Festivals are meant to be among other things, a place to discover things. You, this, is, this is why so many people go to a Burning Man or another festival and then they come back and they seem to be different. That's because they discover a different culture of met people, the type of people they've never met before. And if it resonates, you really start changing. And that's why so many people, you can say, hey, you know what? They, they went to Birmingham a few times and they're different. Well, you know, most people don't understand why, but I totally understand why. It's because you embrace this awesome culture that you didn't know existed. And I think music is a big part of it. Totally. I think, I think musically too, one thing that we try and do is while we are trying to book acts that campers like, like you said, we're also booking really sticking to the tasteful ones, you know, like I, I really listen to stuff and, you know, once a year, there's some new genre comes out and there's some pioneer who makes it. And then there's like 20 other people who try and copy it, but we're never trying to get the people who are trying to be derivative. We're trying to get the original people. And that's where I think you'll see people cross from house to base. You know, if you get some like cheesy bass act that's just trying to do cheesy dubstep to get as many fans and they have, they're really good at social media, those aren't the kind of actual book. You know, we'll book the one who created that genre. And in that way, in the same with house, you know, in that way, I think we're getting, we're getting the purists, the ones who are really creative. And I think fans see that and they can cross stages more than they would at some other, you know, some bigger, you know, EDM festivals, obviously you have to draw the masses. Um, as we're boutique, we don't have to get every act that draws as many people as humanly possible. And in that way, it, it's worked really nicely and something we're happy about. So yeah. to kind of summarize, 
you know, Tim, an eighth grade, likes to invite people over parents' house, <laughs> raid the bar, you guys meet at the sake bar, you get together, you do a, a lot of really cool parties, then you form the brand elements, which goes on first non-camping, then you do camping and non-camping, then you decide to focus on camping. And I think in the end of this, we should come back to this year and see what you guys have uh, going on in 2021, because this new date, there's a lot of excitement out. But what we really uh, wanted to focus be before that is the testing and the public health care. And just, you know, for those listeners that don't know the story, I really want Brett and Tim to tell us what they were able to do this year, because it was kind of uh, admirable. As we were in the middle of pandemic, these guys seek a safe way to give joy to people and entertain them. They were able to do it successfully, and I, I can't wait for you guys to tell the story because I think this is just fascinating. Right, you want to kick it? Sure. Um, and so it, it started with the question, under what circumstances can we gather safely? Under what conditions um, can we make this work? Um, you know, when we started thinking about this, you know, in, in April, once lockdown became that this was going to be with us for a while. And so, um, you know, just moving the festival was uh, you know, heartbreaking at first, but we, we then devoted a lot of time to research uh, and speaking with medical professionals, doctors, and uh, people that are studying the virus to, to really figure out um, a protocol for testing for people safely. Um, and so uh, as we're at a summer camp too, other summer camps were actually uh, facing a similar problem. Like how do you create, you know, a safe bubble for a weekend? Um, so it was a really like cross disciplinary approach. And we eventually came up with a two part testing protocol where guests got a uh, lab PCR test uh, two to five days before um, the events and then a subsequent uh, rapid antigen test once they arrive. Um, and uh, that worked. I mean, over the summer, um, we were uh, across several events. It, it, you know, we ended up testing thousands of people. And uh, granted, these were all smaller events um, in and of themselves. But it worked great. And um, I'm glad to see that, um, at least in New York, things are sort of slowly and finally shifting. Um, and that now they're starting to OK events with testing. Um, you know, year later, I, I do kind of wish we had started on this somewhat earlier, but again, like this, everything is uncertain, everything is unknown, uh, and everything will be unknown too. Um, you know, even, you know, a week in Corona time is a, is a, a month, a, a year. So, so even by the time we get to our events in, in, uh, at the beginning of September, the world may look a lot, a lot different, and we're going to use the best technology and the best protocols that are available based on, um, the most current data and research available um, so that we can have an event and keep everybody safe. Um, that's the goal. Wow. That's great. I have a, a question because I know this has definitely come up online. I've seen it a lot. So what happens or ha have there been scenarios when you get to the site of the event and if somebody does test positive in a car, like how many times did that happen and what happens then? Does everybody just pretty much turns around and goes home, right? Yeah, we had a policy of turning away the entire car um, in a positive test because you're, you know, mm -hmm. nobody's exactly coming from the the city, uh, or you know, 
you've just been in a car with somebody that that is tested positive. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, we had uh, we created a multitude of if if then scenarios. Um, again, also based on um, conversations with medical professionals, doctors, just mm-hmm. general best practices. Uh, and fortunately, um, that you know, we didn't have to really implement uh, very, very many of these. I mean, we, we were also working at a time. Um, mostly where things were kind of on, on the decline in the general population too, which is good. Um, but yeah, moving forwards in September, like again, we're going to be revo- revisiting everything uh, with a full year's worth more data and, uh, and you know, making sure that like all our protocols are going to be industry leading. Yeah. And I saw a lot of excitement online on social media where the fans are saying that you guys are making them feel safe. And they're referring to some of the stuff that you've done during the pandemic and basically saying, look, these guys were able to keep us safe then. So we now trust them. And it feels like there's this credibility because you guys did things the right way. You know, uh, I know Tim was going to say something. I think I okay. Oh, I was just going to say with it, with turning cars away that the two part testing system worked really good. It was very, very few, like percentage-wise, mm-hmm. like 0.05, you know, it was barely anybody essentially. Because after, I mean, what most people, and we asked people too, we did surveys, we did post-event surveys, so did anybody get sick? And there was a 0% feedback that anybody contracted the virus at, you know, over three different events. And we produced some for others as well. Um, and one thing I would say, the first test really helped because I think, you know, people would take that on a Tuesday and then they were pretty much locked up in their house mm-hmm. and they left for our event on Friday. So the first test definitely weeded out, you know, whatever, five, two to 5% of the people. And then the second one is, it was very few. It still was really sad and heartbreaking to have to send people back. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, they, you know, who knows, they, they test their asymptomatic and whatever, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it was very small. And, and, you know, the big thing about it, though, it's not perfect. And I think people were willing to take that tiny, tiny percentage risk that they might have to go home. We, of course, refunded them in full and did everything we could and offered them like free tickets or half price tickets to other stuff. You know, we did everything we could to try and make them happy because it really yeah, stinks. I mean, I'm sure they awesome. were also happy to find out that they were positive and even happier not to go and infect others. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the midst of all things, as you guys are doing a couple of these shows, there are other promoters that are doing a lot. And look, I'm, I don't pass judgment. I'm not here to judge. Everyone's got their own thing. But a lot of artists got a lot of heat on social media uh, for basically being accused of being reckless. And so mm-hmm. a lot of apologies were issued, as you know, and then a lot of these artists just shut down and just stopped doing anything. And, you know, I think that it's our job to be responsible since we are the organizers and we're getting people together. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, the way you guys did it, I mean, it was unbelievable that it, it went on and people were able to do it safely. And, and the response that even then came out on social media was incredible. But now you can really feel that it also made a big difference moving forward because the people that have gone must have said something to the rest. And now people are praising you guys. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you guys are almost made seem like leaders in, 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 in doing it. And we, we applaud you and thanks for keeping everyone safe. Yeah, thanks. We appreciate that. I mean, I feel like that's our duty as like, you know, New York being this a, a very much a center of culture in the United States and the world and, you know, just trying to be leaders in what we do. And that's how we, you know, we went into that last year knowing there was no way we could make money 
you know, it was like maximum cap of 250 people outdoors. We had to add on this like, you know, $70 cost to us for each person to test that, you know, it was just this crazy cost to try and even consider breaking even was like a very much a pull, but we, we really did it because we felt like it's, you know, we consulted doctors and EMTs and ambulance companies and said, you know, what's the best way to, to try to help the industry move forward. And, and, you know, and that's what we did. We felt like we did a good job. I do think it is helping now selling tickets for 2021. So this is a little bit of the, the mm -hmm. payoff is coming now, but you know, we're, we're really stoked to just do it last year to keep busy. You know, we're busy bodies. We're not, we're unable to sit down and do nothing to be honest with you. So mm -hmm. let's, let's do something because we didn't have to test. Like it was legal to do 250 people outdoors or even more, but we added that to, um, to try and be, you know, try and be pillars of this, you know, of, of good measures for, um, for mm -hmm. others to look at. I have a question too, because I'm sure a lot of people are very curious because it'll be probably telling of what events are like in the fall even. One, what happens also now when a lot more people get vaccinated, is there going to be a vaccination check instead of two tests? And then also, what was the atmosphere like inside the show once they passed that? Were people still wearing masks the whole time? Did it feel like a normal show? Like, I'm very curious what the experience felt like after that. Right, you want to go ahead? Um, I, think, I think there is going to be some sort of... Um, larger system that does check for vaccines um but we're probably we're not going to likely know how what that's going to look like if that's going to be implemented mm -hmm. there's even the possibility that more testing might be required for everybody um uh, you know we're not going to know the specifics of how that may work until closer to the date um but we you know we certainly hope so we're strongly encouraging everybody in the community to get vaccinated as soon as you're able because that's the quickest way we can uh get back to normal mm -hmm. um and sorry, what was the second part of your question? For um, people still wearing masks. Part, I think you're asking about uh, also what our policy is. And we, we stated our policy, which is still open to, to change and to be more safe, uh, you know, add more testing. But we said, you know, we respect people's decisions to not get a vaccine if they don't want one. And we understand that not everybody will. Um, but we said you need, either need to A, be vaccinated or B, go through our two-part testing system. Got we it, left the door it. open to also say that people who are vaccinated, we still may require an additional test um, if need be. I mean, really, whatever's safest. I think people are totally open to it. Um, but obviously, you know, the more, yeah, it's easier if they're vaccinated to get to, to move the process along. Well, ultimately, the decision on that may be out of our hands if it's at like the state level or, or even the federal level, who knows. Um, but yeah, to, to speak to your second point, um, the mood once everybody was uh, in, and everybody, every single human being, you know, staff, artists, uh, you know, staff that were with the camps and stuff, uh, was tested. That to know that we created that that bubble was unbelievable. It was um, pure zeal. It, you know, it, it people were ready to dance, like, and you know, they were ready to celebrate. And um, and, and I think they kind of felt like they could do so safely for the first time in a long time. So mm -hmm. uh, it was, that was really. That was a really tremendous feeling. Gives us a lot of hope. I think that's the thing that we're MJ and I are the most excited about. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I mean, optimism right now. You know, yeah. uh, Tim was saying it before. I think it's you know we had a long call yesterday on Clubhouse and a lot of uh, uh, great promoters joined from all over the world, and that was basically the beginning of everyone's um, you know um, 
when people were speaking, that was the first thing they were saying, like, hey, our job has been to keep people, give them hope, give them optimism. It is going to come to the end sooner than later. And yeah, it's been longer than we expected, but we've done everything we could. And, you know, we don't do these live streams or virtual events to make money. There is no money. We just do it to keep people entertained. And yeah, to yeah. do it in a format like you guys have done, you know, that, that's very unique because most people couldn't get an opportunity. There was some really nice uh, driving events, seemed like there was some formats with pods, but not, nothing where people were freely tested and could feel safe being together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think we're going to see, like, as things reopen, just a lot of different varieties, um, especially in state to state, uh, for better or for worse, um, just being a patchwork of, di- of different regulations. But at least for the better, we'll see what works and what doesn't. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, we're just excited for the whole industry to kind of slowly get back to some form of normal. I mean, uh, you don't know how many people we talk to. They're like, oh, my God, I just want to see live music. I just want to go to a concert. Mm-hmm. I just want to go to a festival. I just, you know, um, you know, they say, you know, entertainment is not necessarily an essential business. Live entertainment is not necessarily an essential business, but try going without it for two years. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think hopefully we're going to see like a big resurgence um, uh, just from everybody that's managed to hang on, you know, through these dark times. You're right. It's brutal. It's brutal. <laughs> well, we can't, it'll make it that much better when we can finally get back and, I'm really excited for the 2021 event. I was going to ask you guys if you um, have any sets you're very much looking forward to seeing this year. You know who's really cool? Uh, Bob Moe's, I mean, God, like all of them, like we have some awesome artists. Bob Moe, I was just thinking of one off the top of the head. Bob Moe's has played for us in 2015 or 13. I don't, I don't remember. 2013 or 15 for a huge New Year's Eve show with like 5,000 people. is one of our wild, maybe 6,000 people. is one of our craziest warehouse parties of all time. Um, but it's really cool to see them then and they've just gotten so much bigger and like nominated for Grammys and all this other stuff. And it's just really cool to see them go from the underground to the huge scene and then to have, be able to book them again and put them on our air stage, which is this really special magical stage in the forest with like trees and lights in the trees and tree houses and there's people all around you. It's just a really unique, special feeling that people love. And so, yeah, I'm excited for them and really so many others too, to be honest with you, but uh, that's mm-hmm. the one that came to my mind. Oh, God. Uh, they all sound amazing. I was going to say, I, I can't wait for the Desert Hearts portion as well, because oh, I've yeah. never seen a Desert Hearts set. So, yeah, <laughs> they're all Golden Pony. And Golden yeah, Pony. <laughs> yeah, Desert Hearts is great. They're really like a family. We've actually booked, I mean, so many people would book multiple years in a row because we love them. And, you know, we, we think they deserve to be semi residents, you know, where we book them every other year or something. Uh, I think Desert Hearts is this would be the third or probably fourth, maybe the fifth, I don't know, time to play it. And, it's cool because it's just a group of friends and they're like a family and it's, it's a really nice vibe. It, it feels like a festival vibe within their group, you know, uh, like they really live that and like give love to all the people around them and are really friendly with the fans and walk around and talk with the crowd. And uh, it's really just a special thing. They really connect with people, which I think is, is a really nice thing. They're in there dancing too, you know, to all mm-hmm. the other DJs that are out there like, That's turn the awesome. music up. <laughs> really cool to see that, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, one too, like I'm, I've been a huge Diplo fan for a long time, and I'm thrilled to finally book him. And he's one of these artists that uh, has had such a wild breadth in his, his trajectory. He's been all over the place in so many different areas. Um, and like one thing we always try to, uh, you know, w- when the conversations come up, is is to to make sure that artists feel like they don't necessarily have to. Um, 
you know, play themselves. Like we, we want all of our artists to be comfortable uh, exploring whatever they feel in that moment. And that, if that means like a new, like a new direction, you know, a new genre, like go for it, like you be you. And like, um, and so with that, like, I'm super excited to see what, what he comes up with. Yeah. You know what? I have to tell you, I totally agree with you about him. He's just such a unique human. And I I don't think people are realizing what he's trying to do now in the United States specifically by really focusing on the house music that maybe to us, it sounds like, I mean, we used to it, right? But there's so many fans that don't know house music. Mm-hmm. And I think he's really pushing and teaching. And, I'm, uh, you know, he is, the way I see it is like, He's almost innovating a fan that has not heard that sound. And I think he's playing a big role right now that's going to end up being very big gro- uh, growth of, of house music in the United States, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, agreed. And that's and specifically we're doing his higher ground takeover, which is his house music label. Uh, that's what he's doing. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we, I t- we totally agree with you. I mean, it's really is, special. Is this his first time? Any notable first time rookies at the elements this year? The first one, yeah, one is uh, actually Bonobo, who we've never had, who I'm so stoked on. I really, I've been lucky enough to travel around a lot around the world and hear a lot of cool sounds from all different countries, from Africa to Indonesia to Japan. And I feel like Bonobo really brings in that world music flavor. And um, it's a really unique set and just, it really feels good outdoors and really like, I don't know, something about it is really cool. So I'm really, really stoked on that one too. It's just so eclectic. And I was going to say earlier when we were talking about the lineup too, I I did a deep dive and just went through every single artist on the lineup. And I loved not only the diversity, but what you said about rising artists as well, like people on Spotify who have less than a thousand followers or plays. And I think it's amazing that you have some of that like rising talent as well. And just seeing Ganja White Knight compared, like compared to Chris Lake on the lineup, like totally different crowds, totally different environment, but it's going to work so well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're stoked. Um, and the fact that you guys went and changed the date, has that drawn a lot of uh, optimism and happy feelings over there, pushback from the fans about changing the date? I don't think so. Maybe I didn't see any comment. I didn't think everybody was pretty happy about that. Maybe one person was like, oh, that was the best weekend. But really, I think everybody is feels like there'll be enough vaccines by then, you know, exactly. Yeah. as good as possible. So it, it just feels like the sweet spot of, still you know it's still summer it's still like you know 75 degree weather during the day which is nice and you know probably at least 65 70 at night which is just awesome for for being outdoors and seeing live music so yeah we think it's a perfect date and that's why i was asking I, I you know i would imagine most of the fans would get really excited because may is just so close i mean we're almost in march right uh, yeah while like labor day weekend is really far and probably feels a lot of comfort you yeah. know, buying the tickets and planning the trips. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. awesome. Well, you know, we definitely wish you lots of luck and we're going to go and we're going to be there with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, thank you so much for making the time. I think Emma has a couple of more questions that we were trying to sneak in before we run out. <laughs> no, I think we pretty much covered everything. I was just going to say, I think we're just, we're really excited. And I think it's, like we said, it's given us a lot of hope and optimism. And I can't tell you how many times I've referenced like, well, you know, Elements has done some events and successfully <laughs> done the testing and everything. And it's it's worked out. So no, it'll be my first camping festival, my first Elements. So I'm very excited. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> well, I would just give you some advice if you've never camped before. Um, yes. 
especially your first time if you're not a camper. A lot of people go to camping festivals. They were brought up like camping, you know, in the summers with their friends and, mm-hmm. and you know, whatever you do. Uh, and it can be a little bit trying at times because it's like, you know, as opposed to a hotel where you park and you walk upstairs, it's like you're waiting in line, you know, this traffic, you get lost, people need gas, people have to pee, you know, a three hour drive turns into a six hour drive. And then there's maybe a line to get in for an hour to, you know, at various times. Everybody, of course, everybody shows up at once and there's a thousand cars and 12 people checking them in at once. Um, and so it can be time, you know, when you're tired and beat, it's like you're, you're, you, can get, you can get a little angsty and setting up the tent and you realize you lost the steak. It, it, you know, it, there's a lot of like uh, hiccups with camping for the first time, but you try and just uh, be open-minded and chill and, you know, get the stuff set up and then, you know, and, and, you know, if it rains one night, try to do the best you can to stay dry, and, you know, yeah. keep a big smile and you'd be surprised. You know, I've been to festivals where it's poured for three days and it was just the most magical time because for some reason we're all- On that note, any advice for rookie campers? Any uh, essentials to take? What not tools and tools and anything yeah. that can help? Yeah, Brett, you want to go? So, so test your gear. Like if you haven't camped before, like literally, like I, I actually was a backpacker for a long time too. And so uh, when I was like, okay, what's gonna be the perfect like thing that I'm gonna take that is gonna you know save me in the middle of like a freezing winter or something like, go test your gear, figure it out, spend a night in the backyard or you have to spend a whole night or something, but like make sure your tent, if you're, a lot of people like borrow a tent and they, they get it and it doesn't have the poles or it doesn't have the stakes, big rookie mistake. And that's just, that just sucks. Um, so just test out your gear and make sure you're comfortable because like, you know, you got, you do have to sleep. You do want to be able to sleep and, um, make sure that you're, you're comfortable with your setup and like your, your pack, like just do a rehearsal with packing. Cause that also forces you to think about what you're using. What are you going to want there? Yeah. I would note three absolutely crucial or actually a couple more. One, if you're used to hotels, get a good air mattress and an expensive one. Don't get the cheapest one at Walmart cause they deflate in the night and you end up like, you have two people on it, you both sink in the middle. So getting a better one that stays inflated is good. Getting a, a battery powered inflator, they last a long time with WD batteries. This is if you're a little more bougie. If you're chill and you can sleep on the ground, great. But often like the ground is a little rocky and whatever. And you know, if you're only sleeping four or five hours a night, having a nice sleep on something comfortable is really sweet. Um, you know, sometimes just a thin pad is fine, but a decent air mattress. And I bought the cheap ones and they always deflate. Also a headlamp is really good because like middle of the night you get a pee and there's just no light on and you just like flick it on. You can see your stuff in your tent. You can find that inflator. Um, and finally, a lot of warm, you know, like a lot of blankets or like some jet thick jackets. Cause even if it's like 65 at night, if you've been dehydrated and just like partying for 20 hours, you get cold quick. And sometimes, you know, nights will go down to 55. You know what I mean? You never know if it's a cold weekend and the nights get really chilly and you know, you've been sweating and partying all day. And then you just into bed with one thin blanket, something really warm will really, make you happy. One last thing, earplugs. Sometimes you'll have some people next to you who go to bed at 11 p.m. and wake up at seven and start with a jam box and like <laughs> you're kind of sleep in like, they're like four feet from you. Like if you get good earplugs and sleep with them, you'll be a happier person. Um, uh, so. I got one interesting. And, and then what about getting dressed up? You know, one thing oh. that I'm very impressed oh. about, I went to Elements, yeah. I swear. I felt like a, I was in a West world or like that type of a show. No, it was absolutely incredible. I was blown away, impressed yeah, how yeah. many people were dressed up. It was, it really made it feel like this was not just another gathering. And it was like an audience, a culture of like people are really like-minded. You could yeah. see it. And one of the things was they were dressed up. So should people dress up? How does it work? Well, so, so 
one more thing I got to throw in there, extra socks, because like dry feet or happy feet or like, you know, it's dark, you just step in one puddle or something that just ruins the experience. So if you have like extra socks, you have extra shoes. But so, so beyond that, like costumes, like dressing, you know, who in your greatest expression of yourself or your the greatest character that you want to be or just something amazing, flamboyant, extravagant is like a big part of the elements culture. And like, if you're not like either like dressed to the nines or like, um, you know, you, you, want, you want to be given it your all. It's so much more fun in that vibe where everybody's participating. You know, everybody's wearing something that they would generally not wear on like the street or like, you know, to um, <laughs> something that you'd be a little bit embarrassed to get arrested. Um, uh, is kind of the rule of thumb. Um, but like another thought, so, so try on everything before too. This is a big uh, Burning Man tip because like you're not going to be wanting to spend time in your tent changing and like dealing with stuff. And if you've never tent camp before, um, like just physically like, okay, how do I get the pants on and like switch the, th you know, like just test all the outfits before and put them in packs so that you just grab a pack and go. And so that like, because you're generally going to be wanting to ch change clothes when it switches from day to night. So that way you have an outfit pre-planned, all the accessories are there, just all in a pack. Boom. Takes you five minutes. You don't miss a beat. This is so much great. I was going to ask one last question too, about just like sustainability as well with, with camping and things sure. like that. Like, do you have any tips for people to just like take care of their spots and make sure that they're like leaving no trace after they leave? Do it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, like uh, one, one option too we offer is like ready, set, camp and glamping for, for so the people like uh, who, who are worried about that or just, you know, uh, you know they, they can come and go a little bit easier, but, but it is a requirement. Like um, one big thing that, you know, coming from Burning Man to seeing like European festivals, for example, it's the amount of waste. It, it's just um, a lot of European festivals like the, the fields are just nasty uh and and at elements like we try to keep things tidy like we don't want people you know cans around we don't want broken camping equipment stuff um bring bring good gear as well that's not gonna you know get destroyed and make a mess mm -hmm. but um but like you know really think about actually leaving no trace like the amount of waste that events and festivals do generate um is significant i mean um you know from our earlier days of loading out the trash like our, physically ourselves and like mm -hmm. um to seeing, you know, just how, you know, how much several thousand people can produce over the weekend. Every little choice you make does add up when it's compounded by just a few people. Like bring a reusable water bottle. Um, you know, we're, we're uh, trying to uh, limit, if not eliminate, uh, our use of single-use plastics this year. Um, and uh, yeah, like try, and if anything you're, you're bringing to with regards to gear, make sure it's like, not what a single-use product. Mm -hmm. I, I would know too if you bring a reusable water bottle. We have some. I mean, this beautiful uh, spring-fed water that you can fill it up with. We have little like tea huts and stuff that will give you free tea and really special experiences. We even have like a, a movie theater that's like bring your own bowl. And we give you cereal where you can watch movies at like six a.m. if you want to or like whatever. Um, and yeah, we're doing some other stuff. You know, sustainability is something we really want to get into. Like we, we have some other fun programs. Like we have an art grant for a thousand dollars where you make, you know, demonstrate sustainability, whether it's through like everything's made out of recycled materials or something that's like wind powered or whatever solar powered mm -hmm. and generate some cool like art. Um, we also do discounts for, for hybrid and electronic cars with our parking lots and give you a better, better parking spot. 
And um, yeah, we're trying to, you know, get people to be more sustainable. And, and that's a bigger goal as we grow. You know, it's been tough to focus on that when we hadn't turned a profit yet. And, you know, just mm -hmm. fighting, you know, it's like wearing way too many hats because, you know, we couldn't hire enough people because the budget's, you know, so tight. But, you know, as we grow, we, we're hiring more people and getting bigger. And it really feels nice. I think that's something we can focus and on. And I feel and, like um, as you guys are really growing and becoming a stronger voice in the community, you know, the fans listen to you. So when you do those things yourselves, it kind of helps the culture and the movement of sustainability to grow even further. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the best place. When you're partying and having fun and meeting people all weekend, if you like silently are all of a sudden more sustainable, it's a beautiful thing. I, I learned that from, you know, I, we reference Burning Man a lot and maybe it's getting a little cheesy with influencers and people and, you know, maybe it isn't what it used to be, but it still is a beautiful thing. And when I first went in 2008, you know, I, I felt myself like I, I don't litter anymore. You know, I pick up and I, I think it does change people. And the best place to learn how to be a better human being, I think, can be at a festival a lot of times. You're just having so much fun. And if you see some cool dudes and girls like picking up after other people and you start doing, you're like, oh, wow, now we have a clean area. Now it's awesome because we're just all respect it a little bit more. Just like a little bit of effort to pick up somebody else's trash or your own. And mm -hmm. it uh, becomes a really nice thing. So, yeah, we're all about it. Well, thank you so much for your time. The best of luck to you. Emma's going to be there all days. Yeah. So excited. And, uh, yeah. Thanks, Thank guys. you guys so much. We really appreciate it. Thanks very much. So, MJ, you were right. Brett was wearing a bright shirt. <laughs> yeah, this was for Brett, I think, very conservative look today, you know. Uh, yeah, but hey, man, it, honestly, it was a pleasure to talk to them. I'm excited for them. You know, they deserve to do really well this year. I'm, I'm happy that they're getting credibility from these events they've done uh, with their testing and people feel safe. And uh, it was nice to learn tricks about camping, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and get some pro tips from the experts themselves and, and hear about this uh, season. What did you get out of this the most? Yeah, I, well, I love that we chatted about camping because I do, I truly believe that there is just such a sense of community around camping festivals. And it's amazing to hear them say like people are coming back time and time again. So I think they're building a really incredible experience there. Um, and I just, I think just seeing their track record this past year and being able, hearing that people felt like it was a normal show when they went in is like what I wanted to hear. So to know that that's possible, it gives me a lot of hope for their event in September. I feel like it, it'll go off without any issues. Um, and I'm really excited about it, but their lineup is incredible this year. I think it's such an amazing lineup of diverse artists. So I'm so excited. I will be reporting on my experiences at my first elements. <laughs> I, I, I agree. Uh, they do have a great lineup, but uh, again, I was very impressed with what I've learned today about mm -hmm. camping festivals. And, and that's what I anticipated that the sense of community and the, you know, taking care of each other and sharing is probably greater because these are your neighbors now, right? You, you live together for three, four, two, whatever days. Uh, I can't go this year, but you'll go and report, but I'm definitely looking forward to a camping festival experience sooner or later. And I'll definitely come to elements next, next year when they're going to probably go back to Memorial day weekend, mm -hmm. but it was great to connect with the guys. And uh, really, thank you so much, guys, for listening, watching. The most important thing for us is to know how you feel about the guests that we are bringing. Please hit us up on socials, put comments on YouTube, write us messages. We'll always respond. 
Tell us what you are enjoying, what creates value for you so that when you spend this hour with us, we know that we're giving you the best for the attention you've given us. Mm -hmm. And let us know any topics you want us to talk about as well, because I know we got a huge response to the EDM influencers episode. A lot of people had some strong feelings and um, really enjoyed that. So yeah, so MJ and I can pop on here again and do some of those episodes where we just pick a topic. So yeah, on you, we're on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Find us. <laughs> hey, Emma, Emma uh, to find Emma on socials, what are they looking for? Rave mama, mama bear, what, <laughs> what socials are they? For? I am a rave mom, but just my name at Emma Capotis on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all that fun stuff. And MJ, what's your I'm handle? On, I'm on Instagram, the one and only. You can find me, message me, I'll respond. Awesome. Yeah. And at Festival Insider for everything else. But with all that being said, thank you guys for listening and we'll be back next Tuesday with a new episode. Yay. Bye.